0: Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Week in Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor-in-chief, Jill Manoff. How are you, Jill?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm feeling very good. Um, We're recording this on May the 4th Be With You Day, or whatever people call it, the Star Wars Day. Um, This episode's not going to be up until after, but we're recording it on the day, and I love Star Wars, so I wanted to mention. Anyway... We are not going to talk about Star Wars, we're going to talk about fashion. Um, Specifically, we're going to talk about the Met Gala first um, that happened this week, and there's a lot to talk about there. We will talk about Revolve's um, earnings, their first quarter earnings, which were also this week. And then finally, Off-White's new art and image director, and also just some general thoughts on the direction that Off-White is going to go. Um, without, in in a world without Virgil Abloh in it. So, but let's start with talking about the Met Gala. Um, You will be forgiven if you forgot that the Met Gala was even happening because obviously there was some other stuff going on at like literally exactly the same time. Uh, But the Met Gala did happen this week. And my first thought, Jill, is just, why do they even do a theme? Because nobody, nobody follows it. Like (laughs) nobody even bothers to do it.
1: And when it's so loosey-goosey, like, you could take it one way, gild- the Gilded Age, I-, I don't know if that's the official term, but, like, um, people took it to mean gold, people took it to mean point in time, a, de- a period of distressing, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a little loosey-goosey, and people admitted, like, Kourtney Kardashian, that she didn't even think about the theme when she got ready, she said that on the red carpet, so, um, yeah, why? I guess it's fun, It's it changes it up. <laughs> Each year will not be the same.
0: I always like the the looks that follow the rules the most, though, because it's like, I don't know. I feel like uh, limitations like that inspire creativity. So, you know, like the one person that I saw who I felt like was really on theme was Sarah Jessica Parker, who had like a full like Age of Innocence kind of look. And like, yeah, like maybe don't just like wear that on the street. because. But for the theme, like I thought that was perfect, you know, that was. And if I was throwing a party. And I told everyone there was a theme and the costumes and stuff and a bunch of people ignored it. Like, I'd be mad.
1: <laughs> right? What did Anna think? Don't I don't know. Um, yeah, but don't know. yeah, you're right. I mean, Sarah Jessica Parker was a do get out of town. She's always fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree. That was great. And like some people did. Um, there was a whole CNN story about um, the references to marginalized people and. Um, during the era, uh, people, when, when the wage gap was very, um, apparent, like more than ever. Um, so there, that was Gabrielle Union. She kind of had a, a red, um, flower, um, or accent on her dress to, to represent bloodshed during the time. And anyway, there were various, um, various references, which that was an interesting take that was unexpected, I would say.
0: Yeah. The, the one that comes to mind for me was Riz Ahmed had a really cool kind of like silk work shirt kind of deal um which he said was supposed to reference like the the immigrants and and laborers who like made the gilded age possible which i thought was a cool idea and um the the shirt was just very cool so i i really liked his look and actually now that i think about it in on the men's side um uh, ryan reynolds had like uh i think it was a louis vuitton no it was a ralph lauren um like tuxedo with like a white waistcoat and um it was a little plain, but to me that felt like very on theme. Like it, it, you know, like that's very age of innocence kind of, you know, turn of the century style with like the waistcoat. I don't know if he had like spats or something, but I, it had that sort of vibe.
1: Definitely a lot of waistcoats. Um, yeah, I, I saw that a lot. I follow, um, Alaria Urbanati. Um, she is a stylist and, in- um, anyway, I've talked to her for stories before. She's the editor of this publication called Leo, but, um, she, her specialty is men. Um, she styles a lot of guys and a lot of celebrities and she styled Brian, um, like you said, um, Ralph Lauren, but also, um, you mentioned this in when we were doing prior kind of event style coverage, um, just the the spotlight on on watches, like she called out his Omega watch as, as oh, a hot yeah. like accessory that he had. Um, mm-hmm. So that was interesting. Um, definitely a, a moment for for jewelry. Um, on a different note, Emma Chamberlain wore Cartier, and it was very um, striking. So anyway, nothing. I, of course, jewelry is part of the red cap- carpet look, but um, it was interesting to see the the brands that took advantage.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we also um, have to mention the Kardashians. Um, I thought that so Kim Kardashian wore the Marilyn Monroe dress. I, I thought the idea was a little like stunty, but the dress itself was like really nice. And I thought fit the theme of Marilyn Monroe's like not really gilded age, like time period or whatever. But like, I don't know, it was like a cool, classy dress that wasn't too crazy or anything i thought it looked nice but this the idea i think was a little stunty you know
1: (laughs) i you i thought you were gonna put a period at the end of it but i thought it fit and i thought that was it (laughs) but you were gonna say that the theme and i was like i don't know about that (laughs) But oh, I, you don't think so? <laughs> no, it fit the theme. But I was just—I yeah, oh, thought yeah, you yeah. were going to say it fit her. Um, anyway, oh yeah, she changed, and I, that wasn't why. It was because it's very delicate. But yeah, a lot of controversy yep. around that in terms of like the the weight loss discussion and all of that. Um, I'm hearing she's getting backlash. Oh, right. She she had to lose 16 pounds in three weeks. That kind of stole the show. And speaking of like brands that got well, in on the action, um, that wasn't a specific. Although the the designer was mentioned, n- not in. Um, familiar name um, from back in the day. Chambray um, and our our publisher at, at Glossy. She, I just talked to her, and she's like, "What a marketing opportunity for Ripley's! Believe it or not, because that's who <laughs> let her borrow the dress, and they, like it was right. referenced time and time and time and time again. And that dress definitely um, stole the show as the the fashion mm-hmm. the fashion look of the of the event.
0: Yeah, for sure. And when was the last time you even thought about Ripley's? Believe it or not. So definitely, yeah. Good for them for, <laughs> for pulling that off. Um, one other look I want to mention just that I, I liked a lot was um, Cynthia Arrivo, who I love, um, had that really cool, like all white, that one was Louis Vuitton, an all white Louis Vuitton dress with this big, beautiful white head wrap, um, which, you know, like you you said, it, that was a, a reference to um, like at the time, a lot of black women were encouraged or forced to cover their hair in, in certain uh, social situations and stuff. So that was kind of a reference to that. I thought it was beautiful, and also I just love Cynthia Erivo. I think she's so good.
1: Yeah, agree. It was fabulous. Um, and really, other than that, like like we said, a lot of gold, gilded gold, um, and uh, weirdly, like metallic. Silver. Like, I don't know what silver. There was a ton of silver, which Liz on our team is going to going to be referencing in a story. But um, really, other than that, n- there were some that were like no surprise, like ever, always Dakota Johnson and Jared Leto, were Gucci, like those ambassadors of the houses that all rang true for this event. Um she always seems to come with like a posse and this time that was like Gigi and Blake Blake Lively Olivia Rodrigo looking very Gen Z um in her purple and her butterflies in her hair um anyway and Cardi B yeah so.
0: no that's a good point and I think Cynthia Revo is like associated with Louis Vuitton as well um I think she's worn Louis Vuitton at, at previous stuff yeah and then um just because I thought of it there did you see Sebastian Stan in that all pink Valentino like was slouchy it that ultra kind of bright pink yeah ultra bright pink and it was like pink shoes pink pants pink jacket I thought it looked stupid sorry sorry Sebastian Stan sorry Valentino I, I it was like off theme and it also kind of looked dumb
1: yeah a oh, man I mean I'm I was such a fan of those pink looks on the Valentino like runway when all they I, I'm seeing it mm-hmm. an awful lot <laughs> <laughs> it might be yeah. beaten to death at this point.
0: Yeah, I, and I think it could work also in other scenarios. I don't know. It just didn't work for me. Like
1: Gigi Hadid nope. recently wore it to an event. Um, what was it? Mm-hmm. Ah! I can't think. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was striking and it looked really good. So anyway, maybe yeah. she was the last hurrah and now it's beaten to death.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, no more. No more. We're done. Okay, next let's talk about Revolve. Uh, they had their... First quarterly earnings this week on Tuesday, um, showing a 58% year over year growth in sales. Um, Pretty good for them, pretty good quarterly earnings. But I also want to talk about they mentioned in their earnings report that they've increased their inventory, like uh, that they have on hold, um, or on hand by like 5%, um, which isn't like it's small, but that's like equates to like 180 million dollars worth of product just that they have. And um, the way that brands are navigating like inventory load in the last two, you know, in the last two years, pandemic times is super interesting to me because on the one hand you have brands like wanting to have more inventory so that if suddenly the supply chain falls through, they're not like stuck with nothing, um, which has happened. But then on the other hand, if there's a sudden, you know, lockdown or some other thing where like demand suddenly goes away and you're stuck with all this inventory, that's also bad. And that was something that happened um, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, which caused a lot of people a lot of anguish about, you know, holding on to too much inventory. So uh, anytime a brand talks about like having more inventory or less inventory or how they're handling that, like, I always think that's super interesting.
1: That's interesting. Were I didn't hear that part. Were they specific about what categories or um yeah i guess they were bulking up on just because you know when we talk to brands there's a lot of talk about almost a blending of fashion as brands kind of lean into what's safe as all these supply chain issues are happening um and revolve very trend driven or known for being trend driven with like music festivals at travel um but they've since expanded to um like home and beauty and active and and that they were kind of owed that to why why they've been able to experience success and growth throughout this whole time um is that they they went there and didn't hold true to, to what they were known for all along
0: yeah um i i just looked as you were talking though they don't say exactly what it uh where the inventory is like like is it closes at home or whatever um but i think it's so they have 179 million dollars worth of inventory on hand in March, 2021, they had hundred million. So actually year over year, I think it's like way more than 5%. I think it's, it's 5% from maybe the last quarter. Oh yeah. It's 5% increase from December, but from last March to this March, it's like, you know, almost $80 million more, um, inventory than they had. So it's a pretty big, um, and, and that's been over the course of the year, but that's a pretty big jump in, in what they're holding onto. Um, well, actually one more thing on inventory. I was uh, earlier this week talking to Natalie Guzman from the CMO and co-president of Savage Fenty. And she was talking about something that is intuitive and, and makes sense, but I hadn't really thought about it, which was basically just that inventory and supply chain stuff like affects everybody in the business. Like it does not just affect like product and sales or whatever, because she's a CMO. She's in charge of marketing. If you shoot a whole campaign for a a collection, and then the collection is not there. It's like still in limbo somewhere. You know, that's like a waste of your time. It's, you know, so it causes headache for marketing, it causes headache for everybody. So that's why I think, you know, we always talk about supply chain stuff. And when we have glossy events, and we ask brands and people like what they're thinking about, it's like almost always one of the first things on their mind, whether they're on marketing or product or whatever, like everybody's thinking about it.
1: Yeah. Um, gosh, one of the the founders of, um, vacation, the the sunscreen brand at our beauty leaders dinner, uh, again, a totally different category, but was saying something to the effect of how supply chain, um, is affecting marketing in that, you know, you're working so far out nowadays, um, maybe 10 months as opposed to, I don't know, three or two. Um, and that it's really like the, like marketing is like, it's the make or break. Like if you, Mess up the marketing after all this (laughs) buildup. Like, anyway, the pressure's on to get it right. So, um, that's really interesting. And something like you said, like the fact that it's affecting not only every department, like you're saying, but that everybody in the industry and the consumer is aware of it now. Um, I know that um, I think some of the analysts on the call on Revolve's earnings yesterday talked about had a lot of questions anyway the the founders really reiterated time and time again like um what we can control um is is up and there's growth and we're seeing we're accelerating and um you know everything else is what everybody else is experiencing and you know no we're not concerned
0: yeah yeah definitely um Okay, so last thing, let's talk about off white. So the the news is is interesting in itself, but I also want to just talk about like off white in general. So um, this week, uh, there's sort of been just this void at the at the top of off white since Virgil Abloh passed away, which was in November. Understandably, like I think nobody was in a rush to replace him. There there's you know a respectful kind of period. I think of just you know paying tribute and, and not immediately having to be, you know, focus on, on who's going to take his place. But, um, this week they off-white announced that Ibrahim Kamara, who is a British, uh, stylist and journalist, he was the editor of Dazed and, you know, done a lot of like different fashion stuff. He's joining as their art and image director, which correct me if I'm wrong, Jill, that was not what, what Virgil's title was. I I think he was CEO, but he, I think he was also creative director or something. Anyway, but, point is that Virgil basically was off-white like he was very tied to the brand like in a very very deep way like it was you know like his work at Louis Vuitton even though it was very singular he was like working for Louis Vuitton whereas off-white was just it is it was Virgil um so I think there's been a lot of like you know questions in the air of like how they're gonna how New Guards is gonna do it um, there's a actually a great business of fashion interview with Davide D'Giulio and Andrea Grilli from um New Guards uh let's see when is this article from it's from February uh, where they talk about sort of like their philosophy of you know what they want to do with the company and they compared Off-White to Dior um cuz Christian Dior was only he died i think only 10 years after Dior the house was founded so he is like, you know, he was tightly tied to the the core of the brand, even though really he was only there for a couple of years. And um, Off-White was, I think, a little less than 10 years old when Virgil passed away too. So they, they kind of like talked about Dior as a model for how they want to do it, where they want to keep like his name, not obviously the brand is not named after him, but like his vision for it is going to be there. They, they want to keep all his ideas and his philosophy and everything, but, they still want the brand to grow, basically, you know, even yeah. without him.
1: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And it also makes sense that they're not putting all of their eggs in this basket of, um, of this Ib Kamara. Um, and basically, they're saying, you know, he had a relationship with Virgil. Um, they called out in this off-white Instagram post that was um, that went out that announced him as this new art Um, director type um, that, you know, they used to DM on Instagram and that's how their relationship was built. And, um, and Ib, like he styled off White's uh, runway shows, I believe. Anyway, he was already instrumental um, in, in the brand presence, I would say. So it's not just him. Like there's talk about this is going to be a collective. So it's like the first hire of many, which it's kind of interesting to see the collective that will form and when these other players will come to be. And it seems like they'll all have had a relationship with Virgil. And um, the aim is to really continue this story that he was telling.
0: Right. And the interesting thing is like, it kind of sounds like that it's sort that's sort of how it was kind of run anyway. Like even when he was around, because like, obviously he had a very personal, you know, like deep, personal investment in the brand, but also he was, you know, people who have worked with Virgil talked about how trusting he was to like, let other people handle stuff. Like he gave directions and he gave feedback and he, and he had vision, but he also was like, you know, what he would let people do their thing basically. And so right now, um, from what I've heard, they sort of like Kind of been running it a lot uh, very similarly to how it was run when he was around which was basically you know the people in charge of one category are still in charge of that category they're making their own decisions and um one thing they mentioned in this business of fashion piece is that virgil left them with like tons and tons of ideas and projects and and directions that he wanted to go and it so it kind of almost seems like even though he's gone they're kind of like still you know doing it the same way they were always did which was he had these ideas and directions and they're just going with it and, and, you know, putting their, each person like that, who's in charge of, you know, bags or footwear or whatever, like they're each doing their own thing. So I was also going to say there, you know, Dior is a good model, but there are a lot of brands, I think that were very tightly tied to a single person that flourished without them. Like Kate Spade has been doing great without Kate Spade. Alexander McQueen has been doing great without Alexander McQueen. Like it's very, uh, not that I think anybody was really you know, worried that Off White wasn't going to do great, but I definitely think there's a model for um, you know Off White to keep growing and and doing its thing without him.
1: Right on. I think that this was a little bit of reassurance this week with this announcement, just that they weren't going to take it some weird direction that wasn't in sync with the with the brand's DNA. Like, um, like you said, I, I feel like anyway, I feel like they they struck it right, they did it right, um, and so we'll see how you know what the outcome is in terms of the clothes and the marketing and all of that. But um, yeah, I think it's on the right track.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm absolutely going to be keeping an eye on like their new collections and other hires that they do. Because yeah, like you said, they, they've talked about wanting a collective. Um, Yeah, I, I wonder like how big that collective is going to be and sort of over time, if we even, if we even notice much of a difference in, you know, the stuff that comes out or it feels like he is still going to be sort of guiding the brand, even though he's passed on, you know, like he's he, cause, just because he left all these ideas behind. So really interesting stuff. Like I said, there, there's no reason Off-White can't keep going the, the path that's going on. And like you said, definitely reassuring to see that the people that they are bringing on are, are people that he's collaborated with. And that's sorry, I'm rambling, but that's another thing is that he was such a collaborative um wide you know a wide-ranging far-reaching collaborative spirit you know he worked with like tons and tons of different people even if he wasn't if it never like came to anything you know when I was writing a an article about him right after he died I talked to a bunch of people who were like oh yeah I dm'd with him all the time It, it seemed like he was constantly kind of talking to people and reaching out to people and plucking ideas from here and there and stuff so
1: Yeah. Um, Almost superhuman in terms of like where he was getting inspiration and where he was connected. I feel mm -hmm. like it would take a collective to get that level of of connections and inspiration and and everything that he was putting into it. So agree. Yeah.
0: And I think as long as they keep that kind of spirit of, you know, very uh, eclectic kind of pulling inspiration from different sources and and having a collective at the top, I think is a good way to do it. As long as they keep that, I feel like it's going to feel like Virgil, you know. Cool. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much, Jill. It's always a pleasure speaking with you. Um, If you have not done so, for those of you listening, please rate and review the Glossy Podcast, um, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to this. Um, The ratings and the reviews really do help us a lot. And if you haven't subscribed, you should do so as well, because in addition to me and Jill talking every Friday, uh, recapping the news of the week, you will also hear Jill talking with uh, industry insiders, cool people every Wednesday. Um, Jill, who's who's up next for interviews?
1: Yes, up next we've got uh, Eric Torstenson, who is the uh, co-founder and chief creative officer at uh, at Frame. So we just had that live podcast for um, Glossy Plus members at the Frame store in Soho last week. You joined; it was amazing. Uh, hi to everybody who was there. It was great. So be it ready. actually.
0: I- It was a great conversation. I I was in the audience the whole time. Eric is so smart and like talked about so much cool stuff. Um, Yeah, definitely a good conversation. So don't miss that one. Um, Yeah. And thank you for listening.